0: Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. This week I'm joined by Vedika Podar and we're going to speak all about Diwali and how you can navigate this with an eating disorder. We also touch on the impact that Indian culture may have on the development of an eating disorder and the normalization of talking about things like diet and food and body image. I really hope that you enjoy this episode and find it useful if you are going to be celebrating Diwali and if you are, happy Diwali. Hey! Okay, (gasps) i Think we're there. <laughs> yes, finally. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. What an absolute stress. Awesome. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, Thanks. it has been an <laughs> a a chore to get this together uh, mostly on my part and internets and headphones and all those annoying things but it's really lovely to have you today on the podcast.
1: Likewise I love the work that you're doing and I find it really great that you know you're having this conversation because it's such a nuanced topic which no one talks about. Mm -hmm. Yeah absolutely. That time
0: of
1: the year where everyone seems to be struggling so. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important that we do have these conversations, because I think a lot of the time, eating disorders maybe aren't spoken about in certain communities and certain religions. And so, you know, this conversation hopefully will really help somebody. Um, So I guess to start with, do you want to share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do?
1: Okay, So I'm Dedika and I'm the founder of Kangaroo Minds, which is a mental health initiative which focuses on three things, uh, awareness, support and knowledge. So through our conversations and through our work, we hope to help uh, beat some of the stigma around mental health and help people reach out for help and remind them that there's always hope and there's always recovery from a mental illness. So that's pretty much what we do. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you, Hannah, today and you know, with all the work that you're doing with the Full of Beans podcast and your blog. So I'm glad that, you know, we've been able to set this up and have this conversation around Diwali and eating disorders, especially with the whole festive season around
0: the corner. Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's honestly, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, And so with the Kangaroo Minds, is that something, is that just based in India or is that sort of a global thing that you've got set up?
1: So um, while I'm based in India at the moment, the work that we do is pretty much global. Mm -hmm. And we try to bring people together from different backgrounds, from different parts of the world, because I think what we forget is that mental health, while there's a lot of nuances, but it's also a very universal topic. Mm -hmm. So it's good to get, you know, different perspectives and different stories coming out just to remind people that they're not alone in what they're going through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's often the thing that makes mental health struggles easier is just kind of, you know, not having that idea of loneliness and I think that loneliness can be such a big element of people's sort of journey with their mental health and then realizing oh somebody else is experiencing something similar to me it really changes your perspective I think and you think you know I'm not the weird one or the odd one out there's actually other people going through this and and getting better as well and having you know better lives with their mental health.
1: No, I think, you know, as you said, it's really important to remind people because I think, you know, like the loneliness and the social withdrawal just goes, kind of hand in hand with mental health. And we kind of forget that how it's like this vicious cycle that a lot of times, you know, people feel lonely or they feel the urge to withdraw. And I think that becomes a huge thing around festive season as well, because especially, I mean, I know we're going to talk more about Diwali, but just to touch upon a few things like, you know, when it's all about festival and people coming together but if you're struggling you know you often don't want to be surrounded by people or especially in an eating disorder context you know you may you may be in recovery you may be surrounded by people who don't understand your eating disorder and that can be really triggering as well.
0: Yeah yeah and as we were talking about loneliness there actually I was going to say that's a great tangent into talking more about Diwali because I um, you know it's a time where I'm sure a lot of people come together and celebrate but you know it may be difficult for somebody struggling with an eating disorder. Um, So I guess to start with you know some people may have heard of Diwali some people might not have. Do you want to kind of explain to us what it is and what it means to you?
1: So just to give a little bit of context to, you know, Diwali and the festival, because I know it's a very Hindu, South Asian thing. Uh, So Diwali is often referred to as the Festival of Lights, and it's one of the biggest, um, most significant festivals in Hinduism. And it is celebrated by a lot of communities around the world. So even like, you know, in London, you would have the, you know, the Diwali Fair at Trafalgar Square and things. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of things do happen around Diwali. And Diwali is essentially about celebrating the triumph of light over darkness. So I find that, like, even from a mental health perspective, very beautiful to talk about because, Mm -hmm. you know, like, even just having these conversations kind of helps remove the stigma and the ignorance. It's in a way that, you know, Hannah, you're helping light a lamp of knowledge to your audiences through the work that you're doing. So it's not just about, like, actual diyas and lamps, but it's also about, like, you know, your inner light to dispel the darkness. So Diwali sort of brings together families, you know, it's about coming together, it's about food, it's about festivities, you know, there'll be fireworks, there'll be, you know, like Ramboli decorations, a lot of sharing of meals. So from a religious standpoint, Diwali signifies like coming, the homecoming of Lord Ram uh, after like a long time of being banished into the forest. And it's also devoted to the goddess Lakshmi, which is... um, Goddess of wealth and prosperity. So essentially, Diwali is, yes, a week long festival. So for a lot of people, that can be challenging. Mm. You know, it's not just one day, it's not about one meal, it's about five to six days. Mm. And that can be a little overwhelming, it can be a little difficult as well. And I'm sure that's going to be something we'll talk about as we go along.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for explaining. It's really interesting to kind of hear what it's all about and what it means to you. Um, And I really like that sort of, you know, the the light out of the darkness, because that feels very poignant in terms of recovery. You know, I think people often think about, you know, coming out of the darkness of whether that's depression or an eating disorder and then coming out into the light. So that really nicely paints a picture Um, and you kind of briefly mentioned there things that might be difficult for people Um, and maybe we could go into more detail for that because I think that's a really useful Mm -hmm. thing you know if someone's loved one is struggling with an eating disorder to kind of understand you know why they might find this time of year difficult.
1: So perfect so I'll just you know like while we talk about some of the things around Diwali which might be triggering I think then we can probably move ahead to talking about You know, what are some ways in which, you know, you look out for yourself, but also you can look out for Mm -hmm. others who might be struggling. And I guess while we talk about these triggers, it'll also help put Diwali as a festival in some context. Mm -hmm. So as we said, like, Diwali is about getting people together. It's about food. It's about rituals. It's all of that. But also in today's era, it's equally about social media. Mm -hmm. Like, it's about the optics. It's about how you're celebrating. It's about telling the world. What you're doing for Diwali. So um, coming to food which is the most obvious you know trigger in this case when we talk about eating disorders specifically. So Diwali are, um, concerns a lot of you know as I said families getting together like a lot of meals a lot of sweets and you know it's a very elaborate meal that's essentially made for Diwali and you know like those four to five days of festivals and See, um, and when we talk about eating disorders, it's not just about anorexia, but it's also about, like, you know, for instance, binge eating. It's also about taking into account, you know, like body image concerns, even about people who might not be formally diagnosed but are still struggling with thoughts around eating disorders. So, the most obvious that you can see in terms of the food part is that for a lot of people, there's this sort of fear of overeating, but there's also a lot of fear of gaining weight which comes with Diwali, you know, because as soon as Diwali is over, we are all spammed with like these jokes about, you know, how we have to lose our festive weight and things. So you will hear all these very insensitive memes, such as, you know, like the tummy returns and, you know, things like that, because, you know, people take it very casually that yes, you gain weight, during Diwali. And... The other aspect of Diwali around food is that for a lot of cultural communities within even within Hinduism, different families, different, you know, sects of people are going to celebrate Diwali differently. So for a lot of people, Diwali also includes fasting. Right, okay. You know, so you would typically fast the day and you would eat at the night after you've prayed and finished all the rituals. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know this better than me. And of someone with an eating disorder kind of telling them that, hey, you have to fast, especially when you're in recovery, you're trying to break out of those, you know, unhealthy eating patterns that can be extremely difficult. And of course, so that's one aspect of like the food aspect. And now moving on to like, the other thing about Diwali is festive attire. Typically, Diwali is when people get new clothes. So, you would get new clothes. And um, new clothes can feel uncomfortable. You know, like, especially when, I mean, and it's not just for someone with an eating disorder, but let's say also someone post the pandemic. You know, like, all of us have changed in terms of, you know, our bodies have changed, our lifestyles have changed. So, for a lot of people, and especially if you struggle with an eating disorder, you know, that change in fit can feel really, really uncomfortable. And sort of, you know, festive attire kind of tends to, you know, heighten body image concerns. You start having these negative thoughts about your appearance because Mm -hmm. also, you know, moving from that, it's like you're going to be meeting people. You're going to be seeing, you know, content on social media. And, you know, it's just about this isn't the right fit. And a lot of Diwali shopping, for instance, happens at these exhibitions and trade fairs. So, Again, you know, you will have a lot of unsolicited comments being made on mm-hmm. their body type. So, for instance, if you go to a store, someone's going to look at you and kind of assume what size of clothes you're going to wear. You know, so it, it can feel very difficult. It can feel extremely triggering. And then moving on from, you know, the food and the clothes and, you know, sort of now coming down to people and like the social aspect of the body so socializing with people can be difficult because not just from an eating disorder perspective but let's also briefly touch upon you know like toxic families sort of that whole notion of toxic positivity around Diwali that you know hey you have to be positive you have to be happy because you know you're going to bring everyone down and Mm -hmm. you know or you'll just tell someone who's struggling with an eating disorder that it's okay you can eat you know it's one day of the year you're going to you know, you can lose the weight later, and I think those kind of comments are really triggering to people, and really difficult. And one thing very common in Indian culture is that we, I don't know for what reason, but we tend to pass a lot of comments about people's weight, okay. and people's bodies. So for, even if you don't know the person too well, you know, you're meeting them on Diwali, because a lot of Diwali is also meeting, greeting people, So, you know, there will be a lot of unsolicited comments on your weight or your body size or, you know, your eating patterns, which can also make you very conscious to eat in front of somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, it could be because somebody who might be recovering would have like, you know, like they might just be building up an appetite or, you know, working towards it. But it could also be someone who is eating more and, you know, comment on that. And I think that becomes really uncomfortable. And it's interesting because I remember having this conversation with someone else from the UK who is also in the space of eating disorders, and I was telling her that how in an Indian context the term "healthy" is not exactly a compliment. So when I tell uh. someone that you're looking healthy, I'm essentially implying that you are looking sad. Mm. So it, it's just weird, you know. Someone tells me I'm looking healthy. My first thoughts gonna be like, "Oh my god, have I put on weight?" Which I so, would say
0: is quite common, you know, when someone's recovering from an eating disorder, if they've had anorexia, that yeah. tends to be that when people say you're looking healthy, that's the instant kind of, oh my God, like I've they, they've recognised I've gained weight or like, you know, my body's yeah. changed or whatever. So it's interesting that, you know, for someone with an eating disorder, that's also the same thing within Indian yeah. culture.
1: That's interesting because I didn't quite know that this is culturally like, you know, thing, but in Mm -hmm. India, the term healthy has always implied chubby, right? Essentially, so like if you say that someone's a healthy baby, you mean that they're a chubby baby, yeah, you know, necessarily mean that they're doing well in terms of their physical health and Mm -hmm. things, you mean that they're chubby, so you know, like also the whole family is getting together and things can put a lot of pressure on people to engage with other people to indulge sort of in festivities and. We know that, you know, how eating disorders even sort of tend to link in with people's moods, for instance, or just, you know, poor mental health in general, you don't necessarily want to be surrounded by people You want to socially withdraw, but you can't essentially do that. Mm. So it is definitely hard. And, you know, for instance, as we said, like fasting and things and, you know, exchanging of sweets and food, like a lot of the things gifts are exchanged, like, you know, dry foods and food and sweets it can be hard for someone who's struggling. Mm. You know, like so much of it is around food and, you know, having to conform and then conversations around clothes and body image and, you know, all of that. And then sort of to top all of this up, you would have things like social media, you know, where you see people posting the kind of um, time that they're having, that they're having a great time, they're enjoying themselves, which can also make a lot of people feel guilty to see other people, you know that hey they can enjoy their food but I can't enjoy my food or you know that I'm struggling through the Diwali but they're having like mm. a really great you know festive season and things so I think those are a couple of things which I feel that could be really triggering and just sort of you know being aware of that can help going into the season and just sort of knowing what to expect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it's really interesting I think for for anybody struggling with with eating and body image you know these festivities can be quite a challenge because there is such a kind of a celebration around food and food is the main element mm. um and I just I wondered there you know you were saying about how um it's kind of you know normalized for people to comment on people's bodies and maybe what people are eating and Mm -hmm. stuff like do you have any thoughts about why that is so normalized and is it like a a generational thing because for me personally, like for like my like older generation, just like my grandma or stuff, it would still be quite normal for her to comment on maybe what I was eating and what I was um, you know, the shape of my body. But my peers wouldn't do that. But I wonder whether in Indian culture it's it's the same or if it's sort of everybody comments. I think, you know,
1: obviously like it sort of depends, but I think there's a lack of awareness in general about eating disorders people don't realize that why they shouldn't comment they just feel that it's perfectly normal to comment about people's weight like you will meet people after a year after two years after a long time and they will just lay it on you so i think there's also like indian culture essentially places quite a lot of importance on like you know beauty standards and physical appearance and you know like there's is sort of you know that that thin
0: ideal sort of thing so so is that the same thin ideal as sort of in western culture right so thin
1: is beautiful tragically Mm -hmm. so you know so when you kind of grow up in that environment so and a lot of this I've noticed is also very generational right so like you know if the mom has had like parents her parents restricting her eating habits she's likely to do that to her kids and you know so at a young age if you've been through restrictive eating it's not like you've chosen anorexia but it's kind of happened to you so when you kind of grow up it's really hard to break out of that pattern of saying you know hey like I can eat and I don't have to worry about Mm -hmm. gaining weight because you've kind of been conditioned into that so that is definitely something, you know, I think mm. that, uh, so of course, like if you're good friends with someone, you generally know, like, you know, social courts you're not going to talk about it, but it's weird in how many contexts it comes up, and it has nothing to do with the occasion, it has nothing to do with the conversation, it will just be.
0: Yeah I I think it's really interesting because I genuinely I think that's a global thing now like it's just so normal (laughs) for weight and food and things like that to just come up wherever you are Um, but I'm just thinking you know you highlighted some really good points there in terms of like food and the festivities and I think it is really important to think about the range of different eating disorders so you know somebody that's going to be recovering from anorexia and they're struggling to eat more or somebody that's maybe binging and they're struggling with all the food in the house um, and not Mm. them binging on that or, you know, engaging in purging behaviours that you Mm. normally do in secrecy. But now you've got all these people around you and you can't. So do you have any sort of tips for people? when they're going into Diwali because I can imagine for a lot of people it might also be that they won't have seen family members for a while people Mm -hmm. might not know what's going on with their eating disorder and their recovery so what tips would you advise people for navigating that
1: yeah and um you know I like how you kind of highlighted the different eating disorders but I'll just add one more thing that you know like in terms of sort of you know for people struggling with an eating disorder or being in recovery like you know safe foods is a Mm. huge thing you know like you need. But then when it comes to fasting, or it comes to, you know, Diwali, there's usually like, you know, certain foods, which are made like traditionally, there's almost like a set menu in every household, Mm. for Diwali and like any house you talk to is eating the same thing through Diwali. So it's almost like, you know, for someone, their safe food might not feature on that list. Mm -hmm. So it could be a little difficult. But yeah, coming to, um, you know, how we can look after ourselves through Diwali, and then maybe later we can talk about how we can look out for someone else. But I think one of the most important things is, um, especially from an eating disorder perspective, is to kind of have your boundaries in place, like whether it's around food, whether it's around interactions with people, whether it's around, you know, the festivities, like just trying to make sure are not overwhelmed. And mm. one of the ways in which we can have boundaries is almost as simple as, you know, meal planning like talk to a loved one in your family who knows that you're struggling so that you know they can help you cope with some of the anxiety around food during that time and um, you know lean into your support system I know it can be really really hard to meet you know family members and sort of you know people who people can be toxic you might not have the best dynamic with everyone in your family and it can be hard. So, you know, having those boundaries in place and sort of, you know, use affirmations, you can have like a self-care plan in place. And when it comes to eating, like coming back to eating, because, you know, the huge part of the valley will also center around food and, and of course, this whole conversation is around eating disorders. I think it's kind of also important to sort of, you know, savor the moment so sometimes like let yourself enjoy the food without feeling guilty about it Mm. you know that's equally important like i'm not going to say that oh you know like of course keep in mind your recovery goals keep in mind you know what works for you what doesn't work for you but also you know like in that moment like you don't have to punish yourself if you've eaten you know, I feel like that guilt which comes with eating, Mm -hmm. especially during the festivities and post festivities can be really hard. And I'm sure like, even you've seen it, like, you know, abroad in a very Christmas context, like, you know, post holiday guilt and Mm-hmm. all of that so that's the equivalent of our post diwali game channel so mm-hmm. yeah you know, but, it's interesting
0: um, it is it is sounding so similar in terms of the pressures mm-hmm. that are put on people Um, and I was thinking as you were saying that like you know f- from my perspective it re- relates a lot to Christmas in the UK with you know having all the pressure to eat having all the pressure to be sociable and the pressure mm-hmm. to put on a nice outfit and feel good about yourself mm-hmm. and actually you know all you want to do It's hiding in your room and kind of shy away from everyone.
1: Yeah. And I think that can be really, really hard, right? For a lot of people. So I think also sort of, you know, having self care in place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what there's more to Diwali than just food. So you can look at focusing on non food related activities. So, you know, whether it's lighting dias, whether it's about decorating your house, whether it's about playing games you know, whether it's just about meeting family, like, you know, sort of try and cherish the essence of Diwali mm-hmm. beyond food. Mm-hmm. And sort of bringing all this back to the whole social media thing, because that's definitely, it adds to it, right? Because the way mm-hmm. people post, the way people dress, um, if need be take a social media detox during the body, mm-hmm. it's not a bad idea sometimes, you know, just to <laughs> you kind know, of be more mindful about how we use social media, because if you know that it's going to be hard for you, if you know you're in recovery and that's not something you can handle there's no point sort of putting yourself through
0: that mm. I really like that actually because I think a lot of the time I I know when I'm like kind of struggling with something that's when I go on social media and I almost seek like to make myself feel bad or to compare myself to others um so that's a really good idea because I think it allows you to actually enjoy what you're doing because you're not then thinking oh you know bloody blah's got a nice dress than me or bloody blah mm. seems to be having more fun with their family mm. Um, but I think you, you highlighted some really good points there about having your self care and being able to communicate with with you know at least one person to feel um that you've got someone to talk to but I think when I said about um you know all you want to do is sit in your room and just be on your own I think also recognizing that it is okay to have some time out you know you don't have to be socializing constantly you don't have to be engaging in it constantly it is okay to take a bit of time you know have some downtime on your own um and I was just wondering as well so we did um I did a podcast ages ago um, when it was Ramadan and we were talking about fasting then and you know the impact that can have on eating disorders and when you're um when you're celebrating Diwali is is fasting something that you have to do or is there sort of um you know uh, not ways around it but like I guess exclusions for people if they're struggling with their health well,
1: fasting is not essentially mandatory during Diwali but some people do choose to fast which is fine and there would be some people who would believe that you know like for instance on the first day of Diwali which is like when you play to Lakshmi sometimes that puja happens late at night so people believe that you know they eat only post finishing right. the Diwali rituals so your meal times, for instance can go a little off balance but yeah as you said like you know just coming back to people like looking after yourselves I think it's really important because I think we overhype this thing that you have to be happy during festival time and you know you're gonna pull pull everyone else down and you know that we should be more grateful and let joy into our lives etc etc but I think it's equally important to let ourselves have a day if we're having a day we just take it as it comes and as we said like you know having boundaries in place and having a self-care plan in place and sort of just talking to someone ahead of time that you are struggling can really help you sort of avoid that sense of overwhelm when you get mm-hmm. to it. So just sort of being prepared in advance. But I mean, that being said, not not everything in life can be planned for, right? Like there's going to be unexpected situations, there's probably going to be triggers. And I think for those times, I think it's really important to be kind to ourselves mm-hmm. and just sort of not be unforgiving to ourselves. So just sort of remember that if, you know, as they say, like imagine if your best friend was having that, or, you know, your favorite cousin or your favorite, you know, like your closest sibling was going through that situation. Would you tell them something on the lines of, hey, you know, you're doing in the festive mood? Or are mm. you just going to sit with them and kind of, you know, be like, it's okay, you know, we'll get through this and whatever? So kind of it's important to treat ourselves the way we would treat people we love.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important to have somebody that you can talk to if you need to and that you can trust. And I, I think often we think about parents or a partner and I just I don't think it needs to be. I think it can be you know, anybody that you can trust and that you can rely on. And, and, you know, if there isn't somebody, then things like journaling, I think, can be a great resource to be able to just have a moment with yourself Um, And to be able to reflect on what's going on. And this may be a controversial thing, but I'm also very much of the opinion after, you know, years of recovery during festivities and sometimes it's actually really good to just try and embrace it as much as you can and see it as a challenge and, you know, that can be really difficult but I think really being able to hold on to the fact that you know this is your recovery and you know somebody may make a comment about the amount of food that everyone's eating or the exercise that they're not doing or the way that they feel in their outfit but but that's their own feelings and that's okay and that doesn't need to reflect on how you feel in yourself um and you're recovering from an eating disorder so you know if they say that they want to fast um because they're then going to eat more in the evening that's what they want to do but you know if for you fasting would mean that you're then gonna really struggle in the evening when it comes to eating, then for you that's not right, and and for me, I think that's the most important thing is just really staying in your lane and being able to do what's right for you so that everyone can have a nice time.
1: And you know, I think that you know, I think you really put it out there to you guys that you know, kind of it works differently for different people, right? Like someone who would. Has- Want to fast because of religious reasons, but you also have to make sure that when someone's fasting, that they're not doing it to kind of encourage them to Mm way But it's coming from a healthy place, they're mindful of what they're doing, they're very aware of what they're doing. Yeah, I think just the other people around, I think you know, whether or not someone has a need to move on to conversations about food weight and body image. So you know there's so many more things we can talk about, like when we meet people, for instance, you can share family stories, you can talk about good times, you can talk about, you know, bucket lists, you can talk about films, books, cinema, you know, things that we're grateful for, all of those things as well. So it's not that every conversation has to kind of boil down to food and eating and you know, how much is this one eaten and what's the latest diet going around, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera doesn't
0: have to be about yeah absolutely I think that's the thing isn't it sometimes when situations are so focused around food and obviously food is a big part of Diwali but at the end of the day you know you're coming together to um to enjoy being with each other and you know the, you know the celebration of light so food is an element of it but it's not the biggest element like you have said um And I just kind of just to finish us off, I know we kind of mentioned it at the start, I wanted to just touch if somebody is listening, and you know, they're thinking, my loved one is coming, and I'm worried about the fact that they're in recovery, and I don't want to negatively impact them. What tips would you give somebody supporting somebody with their recovery to make sure that Diwali is a process, a a time that everyone can enjoy, but also supportive for their recovery?
1: I think that's an amazing question to kind of end up like, you know, to roll up the whole conversation we had today. And I think, you know, encourage honest conversations. If you know that a loved one has an eating disorder, sort of educate yourself a bit more about it. Be aware of their triggers. You can encourage some self care as well. And you can also possibly help them plan ahead of time. So you could, for instance, tell them what's being made. Is there something particular that, you know, if you could accommodate mm-hmm. certain food requests, for instance? You could also encourage non-food related activities, you know, during gatherings. So, for instance, as we said, like you could do some decoration. You could do, for instance, the painting, or you know, you could um, do rangolis. You can, you know, so you can sort of play games. You can have conversations, and sort of keep an eye out for them as well. So, just you kind know, of look out for their recovery patterns. Make sure that they are not showing signs of poor mental health or relapse, and if they are, sort of check in with them. Remind them that you're there, but do not go up to them with this whole toxic positivity thing that, you know, you're bringing down the mood or, you know, that just don't make them feel worse about how they're feeling. Because it's very likely that they know that they're struggling, but they just need someone to be there for them. So maybe have that conversation. And lastly, I mean, as I said, you know, there's so much more to the body than just food. So, you know, focus on this festival focus on celebrating the love the light and the
0: togetherness that comes with as well. Mm. yeah that's lovely I think like that's the thing isn't it we we kind of focus so much on food in this day Mm. and age but there's so much more and just coming together is really special and being able to celebrate and I just wanted to ask as well in terms of because I think you mentioned at the start like within Indian culture there's maybe not a lot of awareness about mental health particularly eating particularly eating disorders and obviously you're doing great work to increase the awareness of mental health but what do you think needs to change within Indian culture itself in order for people to feel more able to share about their mental health and to have like more understanding of what people are going through? I think
1: um, number one we need more openness and honesty around these conversations And moving from that, a lot of the stigma needs to be countered. And a lot of stigma is different for different generations, right? But coming back to Indian culture, coming back to Indian religion, I think a lot of times people who are struggling kind of get told that, you know, hey, if you pray to God, this will go away. Mm. Or, you know, I was on a panel where I was recently asked, and I know for like, you know, your audience, this might seem absurd, but for the audience who was sitting there, this felt to them like a normal question that you and I may think that this is really strange but they were like you know is um is your karma and your past life actions related to you developing a mental health condition mm-hmm. in your current life and so when you come from that place of awareness and that those are I mean everyone's going to have their own faith right like I'm not challenging people's faith and beliefs and things here but Sort of when you start blaming people's past lives or their other like, you know, sins and things for them struggling now, I think you kind of make people feel really helpless about recovery. So I think a lot of it needs like the narrative needs to change, you know. So for instance, how casually we talk about mental illness, you know, we just throw around words and a lot of it also comes down to our education system, for instance, because kids in schools, for instance, would be taught that, you know, like for instance when you're learning English your teacher is very likely to tell you that, you know, hey, don't try that you're feeling sad. Say you're feeling depressed. Don't say that, you know, the girl was skinny. Say she's anorexic. Or don't say that the weather is so unstable. Say the weather is bipolar. So it's just about how casually we throw around mental health tips. Wow, You know, like, even in newspapers, if you watch our news, you will see, you know, people calling, like, one politician will call another politician schizophrenics. They'll be like, this one's on a suicide mission. And I think that just how casually the words are used. Mm-hmm. I don't think we don't how much weight those words carry. Yeah. so A lot of things need to change. And... I think just sort of having conversations, open conversations, I think it can make a
0: difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's shocking. I think um, I can't believe people would use terms like that so flippantly. Um, But I guess then as well, if you are using terms so flippantly, it then kind of makes it like not, have any meaning but I think it also you know when you say like oh you know they were so bipolar or whatever it gives the word then a a, people have a stigma about what that you know mental health illness is then like and you know often that's really misjudged um and makes her then think people want to speak out less because they're then thinking oh Mm -hmm. if I say I've got this then actually people are gonna think you know x y and z about me um but I think it's so great that people like yourself are you know having these conversations and building this awareness because I'm sure so many people um are feeling much less alone and I think as well you're leading by example as well and you know by talking about it people then feel oh they're talking about it so I feel like I can talk about it now which I think is often you know that's how you get the ball rolling with things like that so you know thank you for the work that you're doing.
1: No that's really kind of you and the admiration is absolutely mutual I'm so glad we could have this conversation and I hope this not only helps you know your audiences like in the UK but also for a lot of people Back home in India, who might be watching this, you know, I hope that they kind of feel a little less, you know, afraid around food and interruptions this festive season, so that they can have a happy
0: value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I really hope so too. And um, hopefully the listeners have really enjoyed this episode. Where can they find out more information about you if people um want to kind of get involved or if they're struggling and need some support?
1: Uh, you can head over to our website, com or you can find us on Instagram as well. So we put out a lot of content and things, so that might be really helpful.
0: Brilliant. And I just have to, before you go, I have to ask, why kangaroo minds?
1: A really fun question. So um, <laughs> also a question I get asked about. So kangaroo minds came from a place where it's like, if you actually think about your mind, like, the way I picture it, it's kind of like a kangaroo, kind of goes from one thing to another thing to another thing. Mm-hmm. So that movement happens very quickly, but also like a kangaroo, like kind of punching down. Your mind can sometimes really, really punch you down. Mm-hmm. So it's Brilliant. just about kind of keeping your mind in control and like not letting it go all over the place sometimes.
0: <laughs> Keep bouncing as well, a kangaroo would. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. Um, It's been lovely chatting with you. Is there kind of a way in Indian that we say happy Diwali?
1: It's happy Diwali.
0: Ah, Okay, amazing. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Well, um, I hope you, I really hope you enjoy your Diwali. And thank you so much for, you know, sharing insight and what it means to you. It's been really lovely to chat. Likewise.
1: Thank you for having me. And I look
0: forward to staying in touch. If you enjoyed listening today, you won't want to miss next week's episode, so be sure to subscribe. Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support, or talk to someone you trust.